Greetings, everybody. This is Brian Stanford. Welcome to episode six of Modern Gnostic. Here we are, six episodes in to this experiment of putting forth modern Gnosticism and fighting against the archonic overlords. <laughs> Today, we're going to talk about the politics of social media and depriving your jail guards of their salary. I hope you guys love the episode, and I hope you take up the challenge that I offer. Enjoy and seek the mysteries. Brothers and sisters, we are living in strange times. I was at work today talking to a coworker about what else? The upcoming presidential election. And we were both just kind of marveling at the absolute strangeness that is the current American political system. Now, I turned 47 last year, and I grew up in a household. My father uh, was a sociology and history teacher, deeply interested in politics. He still is a very smart man. Also had college-educated mother, very intelligent sister. And so we would often talk politics in my house. And I'm saying all that to say I've been an observer of politics in this country for most of my conscious thinking life, at least since I was 13 or 14 years old. Um, one of my favorite books to read when I was 13 or 14 was uh, Bloom County, the comic strip, which was a deeply political um, uh, comic strip. Uh, in my in my my youth was shaped by punk rock music, uh, by far left politics of groups like the Dead Kennedys. Um, I was out in the streets protesting the first Iraq War when that happened in the early nineties. Uh, literally, I the the night that the invasion was occurring, we were seeing it on the news. And me and my girlfriend at the time got into a car, drove down into the Montrose in downtown Houston and took part in a demonstration. Um, I'm saying all that to say I've been a, an observer of politics for a long time. And wow, we are living in a strange time right now. Um, it's looking more and more like Bloomberg might uh, be coronated by the DNC which I think will be really interesting to see what Bernie Sanders does. You know, the last time around, the DNC stole uh, the nomination from Bernie and he kissed the ring. He acquiesced and got behind the candidate. And I'm, I'm really interested to see what will happen this time if they steal it from Bernie and Bloomberg gets it. Will he kiss the ring? Will he acquiesce? Will he be able to with the huge amount of followers he has right now. So we're set to see some really curious things. And I try to maintain um, an optimism, an esoteric optimism in my life. I, um, I, I really feel like there are, are health benefits. There's definitely mental health benefits to maintaining an optimistic outlook. But I have to say, uh, I think we're going to be in a really weird place the day after the 2020 elections. I think half of the country, no matter what, will feel like a, a fraud or a robbery or a crime has occurred. And who knows, maybe one will. And so we're living in strange times. 
there is an apocryphal ancient Chinese curse that I first learned about from my first guru, Robert Anton Wilson. And uh, the curse comes from a, uh, an ancient Chinese sorcerer. And the curse is this, may you live in interesting times. And I like to joke often that that bastard Chinese sorcerer really cursed me good because I'm living in interesting times for sure. I generally, like I said, I, I, I kind of passionately follow politics. I like to talk about politics. I like to debate politics. Um, at some point, I'll do a podcast episode about my politics, which um, I consider my politics esoteric, or as one of my favorite authors, Mitch Horowitz, says, my politics are transcendental. Um, I like to practice what I call esoteric patriotism which means I'm a patriot in regards to the founding esoteric hermetic ideals of the American experiment, which have nothing to do with race or the amount of money you make or even where you're originally from. It is my belief that the esoteric foundations of our nation were one in which it was recognized that the buck stops with the individual that every individual person is actually a spark of the divine, that the individual is sovereign and partakes of the nature of divine and is therefore endowed with certain inalienable rights. And undoubtedly, America has never lived up fully to this great esoteric heritage from which we spring. Indeed, as my friend Jim likes to point out, and we had a really interesting argument the other night about it, and it's kind of common to hear, and there's probably people hearing me talk right now who are yelling at their, at their speaker, but the Founding Fathers owned slaves. And that's true. Not all of them. Some of them did. Some of the Founding Fathers were also founders of abolitionist movements. Some of the Founding Fathers wrote very passionate arguments against slavery. And some of the Founding Fathers did own slaves and practice slavery. It's a contradiction. We don't live in utopias. We live in the flawed material world, the Malkuth of the Kabbalah, the sphere where things take shape and form. And we'll never have a utopia here. And in fact, one of the things that can be guaranteed to lead to absolute totalitarian nightmare, whether from the right or the left, is the pursuit of utopian dreams. So I'll be the first to admit that America, even from its very beginning, did not live up to its esoteric ideals. But those esoteric ideals of ultimate liberty and freedom are there at the heart. And they are the heart of what makes us unique and special. If you can hear me take a drink, it's, it's late in the evening here. I'm sitting down, Baruch Hashem, praise God, with a glass of delicious wine, recording this podcast at this marvelous time to be alive, this interesting time to be alive. But what I wanted to talk about uh, tonight is the weird world of politics and Facebook. Uh, tonight, I got on Facebook and was scrolling through um, a good friend of mine, uh, had a discussion thread going on about the, the candidacy of 
potential candidacy of Bloomberg. And I saw in the comments some really heated statements being thrown back and forth between people who are friends in the real world. People who would likely never take the tone or argument level with each other that they would in the virtual world. And when I read it, I felt a real deep sense of sadness to see because I know these people. And I reached out to them and explained how I felt and reminded them, you guys are friends. You care about each other. You know each other in the real world. Don't let this drama of social media political discourse poison your friendship. And it's interesting to me to see, largely manifested through social media, the way in which politics has become the new uh, fundamentalist religion. It's not hard to imagine a scene. In fact, I think Saturday Night Live has um, you know, poked fun, satirized this very kind of thing in, a, in an opening skit a few months back. But you can imagine the, the scene in a house where we're at this evolved point in our culture where you could accept that your sister came out as trans or perhaps left the religion of your birth and took up with a different religion or married a person from a different race or changed their name or um, any number of things, chose to live any number of alternative lifestyles that you can imagine. And it's largely expected and should be that we would accept such things. In so many ways, we are working towards and we should be working towards a society of tolerance and a society that respects and accepts and um, can live with difference. But the one area where we seem to be going in the absolute opposite direction is politics. Perhaps the greatest sin that the child of a conservative parents uh, could commit would to become a liberal. And I know for sure that the greatest sin that a liberal parent's child could do was be become a Trump supporter. Um, last Christmas, last Thanksgiving, uh, I'm sure you, as well as, as I did, saw plenty of social media posts talking about people did not know how they were going to be able to go home at the Christmas table and sit around with their own parents because their parents supported Donald Trump. And they just couldn't see how you could have a conversation with someone who could support Donald Trump. It was beyond people's ability to wrap their heads around. Indeed, I saw numerous articles written from um, mental health care professionals uh, counseling people on how to do this. It's a real thing that people struggle with. We really struggle with dealing with the political other. And I think that's because we have allowed the rhetoric to get ratcheted up to such an extreme level that plenty of good friends of mine, people who are of sound mind, um, would argue vociferously that Donald Trump is an actual fascist. This is not a, a strange opinion to come across. And if Donald Trump's a, a fascist, well then, how could you sit across the dinner table from someone who supported a fascist? In fact, 
If they do support a fascist, they must be a fascist themselves. I mean, the line of logic and reasoning is easy enough to follow. But I don't, I don't agree with it. And I, I think that collectively we need to take a deep breath and we need to take a step back and really kind of look at things, attempt to look at things objectively. Particularly, I would say, if you follow an esoteric path, particularly if you're a Gnostic, you should really, really be cautious and suspicious of the way that our emotions are being manipulated at this very moment. One of the foundational myths in Gnosticism is that we are living in an illusory world. This is a common theme in esoteric traditions in East and West. And it's been probably most beautifully expressed in modern times in the movie The Matrix, where the main character, Neo, wakes up to the fact, or is actually woken up to the fact, um, that he is living in a prison world, and that the overlords and rulers of that prison are feeding off of, are getting their energy from humans, from the bodies of human beings. Well, in the esoteric myths, uh, it's the same. This world is not how it appears. It's actually a, a, a place where we, as the divine spark daughters and sons of the Most High, where we are caught and captured, we are exiled from our home. To use the example of the Old Testament tradition, we're lost in Egypt. We're captured, we're in bondage, we're slaves. But in the Gnostic myths, the slave masters don't feed directly off our bodies. What they feed off of are the emotions of fear and anger and distrust and anxiety and sadness. And if you look around, these are the very things that are being manipulated and ratcheted up. And I don't really care where you get your news. If you get your news from Fox News, if you get it from CNN, if you get it from the Associated Press, if you get it from NPR or Democracy Now!, it is an endless litany of fear and stress and anger and distrust and danger. And I see my friends all around me, friends and loved ones, becoming completely wrapped up and lost in this. And I'm not immune from it. Just the other day, I saw a post, a post on Facebook from a friend of mine, and I did the thing that's probably dumb to do. I went into the comments section, read some of the comments, and was blown away and outraged <laughs> by what I read. And of course, I had to comment, right? Because you, it's so important. It's so important. Um, it's funny how Facebook... Uh, gives us this sense of it, it kind of being the public square. And I know me, myself, I really fall into the, the, the idea of it. Well, if I don't, if I don't say something, that, that comment's going you know, unchallenged. The, the person's spreading a falsehood, and it's my duty, it's my job to stand up for truth and to say something. And that's such an illusion and a joke. 
It's screaming into a black hole. It goes nowhere. We all know, we all know that no one's mind is ever changed in these kinds of discussions. No one's point of view is changed. All that happens is that both sides armor themselves up, build their walls higher, higher recede further and further behind uh, their defensive ramparts and wallow in their reinforced fear and anger. And I fall into it too. But I fall into it much less today than I have in the past. And that's because a few years ago, maybe three, maybe four years ago, my beloved sister pointed out to me, she, she actually called me one day and said, Brian, you know, I, I get on Facebook and I see your posts and everything just seems so angry and so paranoid because I was deeply involved in, in posting about politics. And at first I tried to convince her that she wasn't right. And I got defensive and I thought about, you know, um, one of the amazing things about social media is it, is it gives the power of the press to every individual with an account. Or rather, it gives you the sense that you have the power of the press. And the press is a powerful and important thing. And intelligent human beings are deeply motivated by ideas, and I'm one of those people. And my friends are those people. And having that Facebook account or that Twitter account gives us the sense somehow that it's like we are journalists, we are um, opinion makers, we are engaged in the public discourse by having an argument about candidates on Facebook. This is, it gives us the sense that we're involved somehow vitally in the political process. But it's an illusion. It's a trick. It's a trap. So my sister pointed this out to me, and I, I thought about it, and I, I looked at it, and I decided to give myself a one-month ban from posting about politics on Facebook. And I followed that ban, and I still, three years later, attempt to follow that ban. And I do pretty good. I slip up sometimes. Generally, my slip-ups these days are in the comment sections of other people's posts. Because I'm a, generally a smart person, I have found loopholes in my own rules and can tell myself, well, I didn't post about it, I'm just commenting about it. But I'm still doing the same thing, and I need to stop. But anyway, I extended this ban that I gave myself from one month, and now I'm in my third or fourth year. And I have to tell you, it was transformative. It is liberating to, get, to take a step back from the current political situation. Now, I'm a white person, I have a lot of white friends, and one of the things that I know people will say when they hear this is that such a stance is based on white privilege. Now, the funny thing is, is that it will probably be other white people that point this out, that it's a stance of white privilege to be able to ignore politics. I think that's laughable. Um, it's a privilege that every free individual has. We can all step away from the politics. And the truth of the matter is, if there is great injustice going on in this country, 
if we do live in a time where fascism is on the rise, which I do not think that is the case. I do not think that is the case at all. I think to live in the United States in 2020 is probably, is undoubtedly the best time to be alive and the best place in the world, no matter who you are. When I fell into the comment section the other day of a friend of mine's posts and the argument was on the merits of socialism and communism versus um, capitalism, and my friend was somehow grouping fascism in with capitalism. And one of the comments that I made, and I believe this to be true, although obviously from what I'm saying, Facebook is not the best place to make this comment, but one of the big differences between um, socialist, communist, and fascist governments versus capitalist governments that follow the Western model of liberal democracy is this. All countries that have implemented communism have set up borders. All countries that have implemented fascism have set up borders. And all countries that have implemented capitalism under a Western liberal democratic model have set up borders. The key difference is that the borders on the capitalist countries are there to keep people out, while the borders on the communist and fascist countries are there to keep people in. And I think that this is one of the most important distinctions to consider. And it's important to keep this in mind when we start to think that the United States in 2020 under Donald Trump is some sort of fascist nightmare totalitarian state. It objectively is not. Now, that doesn't mean things don't need to change. It doesn't mean I am a supporter of Donald Trump. I am not. It doesn't mean that there isn't injustice in this country that needs to be addressed. What it does mean is that I think we all need to take a deep breath and we can all um, exercise the privilege of stepping away from politics on social media. Most of who you argue with in, in the political space on social media is friends and family. People who love you and people who you love. People who have given kind words to you when you were ill. People who have been there for you in the midst of hardship. People you've been there for in the midst of hardship. People you've laughed with been at parties with, danced with, shared meals with. The people we argue with on social media are not our enemies. And even if they were, we will not convince them by arguing with them on social media. So the end of February marks the beginning of the season of Lent in the Christian calendar. And as a Gnostic Catholic I observe Lent, and what I try to do is give up a limiting habit and take on a new practice. And what I'm going to do for myself, and what I challenge you to do, is to step away from politics on social media for the season of Lent. Experiment with using your social media to deepen the connection with your friends and family, to find and post inspirational stories, things that make people laugh, things that make people smile, 
things that inspire and lift people up, beautiful pieces of art, scenes of dance and joy, inspiring philosophical quotes, religious scriptures. Share a meditation practice that you do. Share a hobby or a passion that you have. If you will take up this challenge, I think you will be amazed at the end at how much your mind state and the condition of your spirit and your soul has been elevated. I imagine if you do so, you'll probably keep the practice going. And here's the thing. Politics won't go away because you're involved in Facebook, because you're not involved in politics on Facebook. If you're deeply passionate about politics, take your politics off of your social media page and take it into the world. Host a dinner at your house where you actually sit across the table with the people that you yell and scream at on social media with and have a conversation with them in your house and see how the tone changes. And maybe, just maybe, you might sway someone toward your opinion or you might be swayed yourself. Deprive the archons. Deprive the cosmic overlords that attempt to enslave us. Deprive them of their food, which is your fear and your anxiety and your sadness. Don't pay the salary of your prison guard. So those are my thoughts on stepping away from social media. Um, Hopefully you found something in there that you can make use of. And join me for Lent in 2020 and step away from the politics of social media and see how it changes your life. All right, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. So if you're interested in taking part of my Lent challenge, Lent kicks off with Ash Wednesday on February 26th, and it'll end on Thursday, April 9th. And I encourage you, use this time as a powerful, alchemical, uh, spiritual period to transform yourself. And if you're interested in taking up the challenge of trying to divorce yourself from the politics of social media, and you'd like some support in that challenge, go on over to the Modern Gnostic Facebook page, where we will not be debating politics and arguing and yelling at each other in the virtual space, but will instead be sharing inspiration and power and lifting each other up. If you guys enjoyed this episode or the other episodes of Modern Gnostic, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen. That really helps us out. Share it, like it, Share it with your friends on social media. During Lent, this is something you could share that would be inspirational to your friends and your family. And please stay tuned, keep listening. It means a lot to me to see the listeners, to read your comments, and to to see that people are getting something out of this. Um, As always, I wish you the best, and I can't wait to sit down and talk to you guys again.